Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well this Wednesday afternoon. Coming to you a day earlier uh, than normal, as uh, as we did last week. Had some work stuff pop up, so I'm going to be working tomorrow. So that's why we're doing this podcast on Wednesday. And we got a couple things we're going to get to today. Of course, if you haven't checked it out already, me and Matt got together on Sunday and did a little bit of a fantasy football primer podcast for you all. I think it's the first time we've ever talked fantasy on this podcast exclusively. So me and him spent uh, a good hour and a half talking about fantasy football, dived into each position, and uh, strictly PPR. We didn't touch on like half PPR or standard scoring. But uh, if you want to check out that pod, be sure to go look at the feed and Check that out before you draft. I know drafting season is upon us. I know Matt and Peter have already had a draft. I know Matt's got a couple more left. My draft isn't until Sunday night. So if you're like me and you have a bit of time to spare before your draft gets underway, why don't you go check that one out and try to get prepared as best you can and uh, listen to me and Matt talking about fantasy football this year. A lot of fun stuff with that. And uh, do some mock drafts while taking some of that advice in that podcast as well. So check that and check out that pod in the feed, and check out entertainment. Check out that channel as well with uh, with the lace podcast up on there. Talked a little bit about D twenty three, which is coming up in about ten days, and uh, gave some predictions on what we might see from Lucasfilm and Marvel with some Star Wars and Marvel properties. What what we see there. Be sure to go check that one out in the entertainment feed. I think with all that house cleaning stuff out of the way, let's get on to what this pod's going to be about. And it's going to be a, a short, sweet, is like as simple as it gets is what we're going to get to this week. Uh, AFC West, we're going to be talking about that and wrapping up our NFL previews before the season gets started next week. And college football is here. With officially with week one, we finally made it, everybody. And so we are going to be diving deep into week one and taking a look at some of the matchups this week. And I got to tell you, it's a pretty exciting week one. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, the, the more fun stuff version, is coming out this weekend. And there's just no good time for me to see it. In part to because how good these matchups are this Saturday. It's just like, it just wasn't any good time. I believe Saturday is supposed to be $3 off for most cinemas around the country. Maybe the world. I think it may just be the country. And so I can't do that because these matchups are so pre- are so pretty good. These matchups are so good. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about them with you all here in a minute and get the college football season underway. It's an exciting time here with fantasy football back, NFL high school, college, all that good stuff, and uh, get right on into it. But there's a couple stuff I want to get to before we get to all the football stuff. And uh, let's talk about uh, one thing here pretty briefly, and that is R.J. Barrett getting an extension from the New York Knicks, uh, coming to terms to a four-year, $120 million extension, which if you if you look at Barrett and his career so far, he's probably one of the more polarizing young players out there. And uh, he's been one of the most talked about young players out there here in recent weeks because of the Knicks and them talking to the Jazz about acquiring Donovan Mitchell. 
And you would have to believe R.J. Barrett would be a key piece in a Donovan Mitchell deal, being a young player as he is, a former number three overall pick that has a lot of star potential. And he's staying in Nick as of right now. Four years, $120 million, sticking around with the Knicks for a while. And it was also reported that the Jazz gave the Knicks a deadline to say, hey, if you don't agree to extension with RJ by this certain time, I think it was Monday night, uh, then, you know, the deal could have been back on and they could have maybe potentially done a Donovan Mitchell deal, but they couldn't find it in themselves to include him in there. So, looks like he is staying a Nick for right now, unless something happens where just, like, unforeseen where the Knicks jazz and say, you know what, let's do the same way. And so right now, RJ Barrett is still a New York Nick for the next four years, at least. And he's still going to be there with Jalen Brunson, uh, Julius Randle, and and that group over there up in New York. So we'll have to see what the Knicks do, but it looks like RJ Barrett won the best young players out there but also one of the most polarizing ones is staying a New York Nick for uh, at least for right now. So we'll have to see if jazz and Knicks open up talks again here right before the season gets started. So there's that piece of news out of the way. Another piece of news about an extension is Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. Of course, here recently in the home run derby at the all-star break, he Almost won the whole thing and was absolutely destroying everybody. And lost to Juan Soto in the finals, but put on a show. And of course, rookie season, one of the top prospects before the season started, gets called up to the Mariners, and he's having a really good rookie season. At around 21 years old, playing center field. And so the Mariners give him an extension. And, you know, I hearken back to, speaking of Matt, me and him talking about Fernando Tatis getting a huge deal like this as a young player, as a really young player. I hearken back to that conversation and what we talked about with huge contracts for young players. And so the details of the contract go as follows. And it's only worth around $210 million, uh right now. And we'll get into all the incentive-based stuff here in a minute. But it's $210 million guaranteed over 12 seasons with a 5-year player option and an 8-year club option with award escalators incentives that could extend his contract to 10 years while maxing out at a record 470 million also getting a 15 million signing bonus and a full no trade provision in his deal and so what this contract does is it really gives him the opportunity to earn it just as if he signed a free agent seal but without the competition of different teams trying to bid on him and get him in there. 
And even if he doesn't earn all those awards that act as incentives, he could still earn at least a minimum of $320 million if Seattle picks up the lowest level team option. So probably the best way we can put it, he's probably not going anywhere. Unless just something happens that's so catastrophic that he's just not there anymore. His play is leveled off or bad injury happens to him. But these incentives, I want to get to them and find out what the specific incentives are. So, the club option minimum, this is from Ken Rosenthal. Uh, club option minimum is eight years, $200 million if Rodriguez receives no MVP votes the first eight years. And here's how it escalates. If you finish this top ten in MVP voting two out of three times, it stays at eight years, but it goes to 240. If he finishes in the top 10 MVP voting four times, that bumps it up to 260. If he wins an MVP award and he's top five one other time or top five three times with no win, that goes to 280. But if he wins two MVPs or four top fives without winning, that takes a drastic jump up, $70 million, and adds another two years to that contract to put at 10 years and $350 million. And of course, there are other incentives that are, could take it up to potentially that over $400 million mark that we just talked about. And that's this is notable because Juan Soto just turned down a big extinct, extension from the Nationals that was well worth over $400 million. And, of course, now he's with the Padres. And he still could get that from them. And so now here you have another one of these young players that just got a huge deal. That looks like he is going to be sticking around there in Seattle for the long haul. And th- this is a... This is a trend that we are seeing happen where you see these young players that immediately make some noise up in the major leagues and they get these big extensions. You saw it happen with Tatis. Now here you see it with him. And this is just... if, If he makes it out to his max at $470 million, Right now, that would be the largest contract in MLB history. Uh, and what he's getting from this extension now, $210 million, highest amount of guaranteed money for a player with less than two years of major league service time. That is insane. <laughs> and so taking a look at it, I mean, it goes to the 2034 season. With options I could run it through 2039, which <laughs> seems like a long way away. So, all in all, besides the $470 million, this this contract could total 18 years. <laughs> it's, it's absurd. It's absurd to think about these young contracts that these young guys are getting as soon as they get into the league. And uh, Rodriguez has certainly made his mark this year as a as a rookie. 
already performing at a really high level for the Mariners. It's just really kind of insane to think about. And if you look at the MVP incentives, uh, the the Athletic did some comparisons with some other players with uh, with some of the stuff. With of course, there's that possibility of him increasing the value of the club option to 350 million. Um, and you add the MVP factors in there. Mike Trout and Albert Pujols are the only current players to win two MVPs within their first eight seasons. So that's kind of what we're talking about here is Julio Rodriguez earning a couple MVPs or finishing in the top 10, top five voting a certain amount of time to get to those incentives where it just bumps up his contract a little bit more. But th- again, this is just a, it's a wild time we're living in with Major League Baseball where you got these young players that are getting big-time extensions early on. This one's a little bit different from Tatis. I think you know, adding in the these certain provisions with the MVP factor and all that stuff, Tatis got a huge deal right away. So what Rodriguez is getting it right now is a little bit less, but he has a chance to bump that up. Uh, as he gets more playing time in the leagues, as he gets more experience, and as he gets better, and as he gets improving, hopefully. So that's a big piece of news coming out of Major League Baseball, as uh, one, uh, as Julio Rodriguez gets a huge extension from the Mariners in his rookie season, as he joins the likes of Tatis and Wander Franco, who's an, who's somebody else that signed a big time extension like this. Uh, with not a huge amount of service time. So no, another player added to the list of young players getting big-time extensions that early. So there's that piece of MLB news out the way. So let's switch gears, and let's head on over to football for the remainder of the show. And I would say let's start with college football, but you, you know what? Let's wrap up our NFL previews right here and now. And let's talk about the AFC West. Uh, what else could be said about the AFC West right now? I mean, this offseason was, to put it the best I can, an arms race. An arms race to go and try to contend against the Kansas City Chiefs. And pretty much it, what everybody has said in that division has said, like, yeah, this was an arms race. They were taking notice of it, of what each team in that division was doing, that the Chargers were taking note of the Broncos' moves. Raiders were taking note of the the Chargers' moves. And so everybody was just kind of looking at what the other team was doing. He's like, okay, we got to get better. We got to get some more firepower here, whether that's offense or defense. It seemed like every team in this division was doing so. And it's an arms race to try to topple the Chiefs and try to get a new division winner here. Because the Chiefs have been division winners here for a pretty long time here in the AFC West. And when it comes to the divisional games, it's hard to see. It was hard to see any of these teams beating them, and they had trouble beating them. I think the only team that was probably even... Remotely successful was probably the Chargers. 
who in the past couple seasons have split the season series. And yeah, you had that one Raiders win a couple years ago. But other than that, they have pretty much handled this division. So I think this is a year where these teams decide, you know what, we're tired of this. We're tired of the Chiefs. Let's go out and let's go and win. Let's go topple the Chiefs and let's take this division back from and it's it's been years since there's been another division winner. Like, what, 2016, 2017, something around that. Maybe 2018 when Mahomes took over as the starter. And when he's been the starter, like, they've been unbelievable in the AFC West. And in general, even without him as the starting quarterback, dating back to Alex Smith, like, it's been hard for teams in this division to go and win. So, that was a mindset of the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders this offseason. That we cannot let this go on for any longer. We got to go out and get some firepower to compete with these guys and take take them over. And just knock them off. And so that's what you saw this offseason. Is all three of those teams make huge impactful moves to try to find their way to the top of this division. And the Chiefs didn't make one move, but it wasn't a move that helped them. It was a move that maybe kind of changed that offense a little bit and how it's going to operate this season. And you look at this division, I mean, with the battles that it's going to have this year, these teams are going to be battle-tested playing each other this season. There are going to be some really competitive games, and... Would it be a surprise at all to see one of these teams end up playing in the Super Bowl? If not the very least, the AFC Championship game, where I think they'll probably end up facing the Bills. At the very least, that's likely. But this team is going to be a fight from week one to week 18, or week 17, or whatever it is now with the 17-game schedule. It's going to be a fight from start to finish. And if it ends up the way we think it is, we might have three of these teams in this division make the playoffs, where two of them command the wildcard spots with, of course, they're now being three, that they would command two of them. So I guess let's dive in into this division and look at what's happened and let's start with the Broncos because they maybe made the biggest move of all in getting a franchise-changing quarterback in there. And they have not had one since Peyton Manning retired. They have not had one. Since then, they've tried to find some guys. They wondered Drew Locke could maybe be that guy. Teddy Bridgewater came in there. Just like nothing worked. And so this year was a year... The Broncos were going to try to go get their guy. Now, there's a, I think we forget there's a lot of speculation that the Broncos' guy was Aaron Rodgers. When, in fact, that wasn't the case. Russell Wilson was their guy. And Patton, the GM, kept it quiet. And so they go out and acquire, acquire Russell Wilson, five draft picks, 
three players to bring one of the best quarterbacks in the league in. And that just takes them up another step. We saw what them adding Payne Manning did and elevating them. Adding Russ to this team is going to elevate them as well. And adding him is going to be big time. And also, you got a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who is an offensive-minded guy, worked with Aaron Rodgers, speaking of. So now, Russell Wilson is going to get to work with someone that has an offensive mind that he can pair with, you know, the whole model of let Russ cook. He's finally got a guy as his head coach that maybe he's going to tap into that this year. And we're going to get to see it on display because there's some good time, good weapons on this roster at receiver. You got Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, who got hurt. So he's out at tight end Albert. O. am not going to spend time trying to pronounce his name. I'm just going to fumble it. But there's a lot of potential with him moving into the tight end role with Noah Fant gone in that Russell Wilson deal. But the big move that the Broncos had to make was finding a quarterback. They had everything else. It was just finding that guy a quarterback that could push them over to the top. It could maybe lead them to the promised land like Peyton Manning did. And so looking at some other pieces on this Broncos team, at running back, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, those two are probably going to share snaps again this year. But the biggest question is whether Javante can take that year two leap and carves out more significant share of the snaps or whether it is going to be closer to a 50-50 split. I, and I think if you're the Broncos, I think you got to hope the young guy takes hold of this opportunity that he has and really takes a jump in year two and uh, give Russell Wilson a good running back in that backfield. And if not, listen, having two running backs, it, who can it hurt? But Russ was the big move this offseason. Of course, they've made a couple other moves. Bringing in Randy Gregory from the Cowboys, the pair him alongside Bradley Chubb, and hoping that he can stay healthy. And if so, they got a nice duo there. They brought in another rookie pass rusher, Nick Benito, to kind of help out the edge rushing group, get it a little bit more deep. They brought in DJ Jones to help out the front and defensive front. Cream Jackson is back. And you just look at this Patrick Sartan at corner. You, you just got a lot of pieces all, all around this team where the only one you needed was that quarterback. And that was the biggest one of all. And they probably got one, and they got one with a head coach that is a guy that has an offensive-style mindset to where like he wants to get this offense up to the elite of the elite in the NFL. And now there's a quarterback in Denver that can maybe push them to uh, to the top there. So those are the Denver Broncos. Let's talk about the other moves that these teams have made. Let's move on to Las Vegas. And they 
did some uh, did some big moves in some different ways compared to the to the Broncos. Of course, a couple things that they did. They got a new coach, Josh McDaniels. You they bring him in from New England. It's a second go around, second go around in the AFC West, uh, but with a different team. And you pair him alongside with Derek Carr and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. And looks like it's going to be a running back by committee thing. And Josh Jacobs looks like he's probably not going to get the fair uh, bulk of the carries back there running back. And it was also somebody that the Raiders declined their fifth-year option on. And so what you're probably looking at is a running back by committee there. But the big move on offense was bringing in Devontae Adams. Huge move by the Raider, on the Raiders' part to bring Adams in there, who's been – there's been debates about whether he's been the number one receiver in the league. And also, you bring in a guy that has chemistry with your quarterback, in which both those guys played at Fresno State together. And so, you bring – Devontae Adams in there, and that really transforms that offense to where you, now you got Adams, Renfro, who's a dynamic slot guy. You got Darren Waller. Maybe he can stay healthy. So you got some weapons there to where if you're the Raiders, you're really excited about. If the offensive line can stay consistent, and Derek Carr, I mean, guy that's probably underappreciated around the league, and underrated in some parts, you give him some of those weapons, I'd be concerned if I were you. And looking at some of the other guys I brought in, Demarcus Robinson to help out, uh, Jacob Hollister at tying in, uh, Brandon Parker, they re-signed him. Um, looking at defense, they definitely added some guys on defense. The big name they brought in, Chandler Jones, if you look at this guy's sack numbers since he's gone into the league, it's insane. 107 and a half career sacks. And you pair him with Max Crosby, a guy that's really taken a leap and become one of the big pass big time pass rushers in this league. Who just signed a four-year extension earlier this year as well. So you pair those two up to really bring some juice to the edges there in Vegas. And th- this could be the Raiders' best pass rush since Cleo Mack was traded away a few years ago. But the Raiders haven't spent too much on defense. They haven't spent big. But they have added some pieces there in the offseason. Uh, Vernon Butler, Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, all on the defensive front. Maybe Kenny Young and Rocky Sin can help that defense out a little bit. Uh, losing Casey Hayward and a couple other guys on that defense. But, I mean, if you look at, at this, the Raiders' offense is probably going to be the thing to watch in, in that group and seeing how they can connect. Uh, no Alex Leatherwood either for that offensive line as they let him go and was a, a surprising cut. 
But this uh, this offense for the Raiders could be potentially really good. There's three obvious targets there, and the defense you gotta watch out for those two and Crosby and Chandler Jones. Because if you don't watch out, they can wreak havoc on your offensive line quickly. So you're hoping that you get two stud pass rushers there that can that could combine to make a really great tandem. Maybe you get Jonathan Abram, another former first-round pick, to stay healthy and become a consistent guy on that back end. And they brought in Patrick Graham this year at defensive coordinator who came in from the Giants, who actually ran that Giants defense pretty well, and they were pretty solid. So maybe they get and he gets the same type of stuff out of this Raiders defense. But there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Raiders fan. New coach with McDaniels is a guy that, again, with the way the league is going, they're leaning more to the offensive coordinators becoming the head coaches and moving the offense to a more modern direction. And all you need is that number one guy out there for offense, and they got him in Devontae Adams to where Carr feels comfortable going to him, Renfro. We see what McDaniels did in New England when he had some of those dynamic slot guys like an Edelman, like a Wes Welker. Maybe Hunter Renfro can be the next in line with that. And you got a tight, dynamic tight end and Darren Waller if he can stay healthy. So there's a couple of New England aspects here to where McDaniels maybe knows how to game plan a little bit more than others would with this group. But there's the... Las Vegas Raiders. I almost wanted to say Oakland for a minute, but I caught myself. So moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, the team that's actually given the Chiefs the most trouble in the last couple years. And of course, the Chargers are one of the more unique teams in this division because they still got a quarterback on a rookie contract. And we've talked about that in the past, how big it is for Teams that are looking to contend to have a young star rookie, young star quarterback on a rookie contract that gives those teams the abilities to go and spend big. And whether it's getting some big time players at receiver or on the offensive line or getting some defensive playmakers, we've seen this type of strategy used before. And the Chargers were definitely a team that took advantage of it this offseason with what they did. So they got their guy. They got their guy in Justin Herbert, who's looking to make another jump here in year three. So the Chargers, what they do on on offense? You still got Austin Eckler, dynamic running back. They just signed Sony Michelle, so there's that. You got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You bring Mike Williams back, and so you got a, dy- a dynamic duo there. Josh Palmer, second-year guy out of Tennessee. You're hoping that he takes a step up and it becomes a really good third receiver for him. But the last couple years, they've, without, you know, with having a young rookie quarterback that's been really good here in the last couple years, they have could just go and draft players that, could, that lets them go and spend money elsewhere. And the last couple years, 2021, they took Rashawn Slater at left tackle. Solves that problem. At right guard, they took Zion Johnson 
this, in this past draft. And so being able to draft some of these young guys and being able to go out and sign some big-time players, make some big-time trades, and re-sign your own players is, uh, is something you've seen the Chargers do this offseason. They just signed Derwin James to a new contract last week. That will make him the league's highest-paid safety. And you look at the other moves that they made. Of course, you still got Joe, Joey Bosa there at defensive end. And they go and trade for Khalil Mack. Even, and even though he's getting up there in years, he's still an elite pass rusher. And it only just cost them a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 sixth-rounder. So that's pretty good value for Khalil Mack. So you pair those two together with Bosa and Mack coming off the edges. And that back end, they had a couple they had a couple guys, including JC Jackson, who looks like he, he's gonna be nicked up and probably gonna be out for a couple weeks at least. But you you sign the top available corner in in free agency. And as a guy that continually makes plays on the ball, gets interceptions. That's a big time gift for this defense. You have a couple other defensive additions in Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, all the interior of that defensive line to help out there and help out with stopping the run. That was a problem with the Chargers last year, so maybe those two can help. Count Van Noy, you bring him in there and linebacker to help out with Kenneth Murray and kind of help things out there. So the Chargers... There's no doubt that they can get after the quarterback. It's just stopping the run. And, uh, you know, they got covering the pass handled pretty well. It's just stopping that run. And if they can do that, that can really help big time. And uh, offensive line, I mean, again, they've transformed it here, taking a couple guys here in the first round in the last two years. Signing Corey Lindsley a year or two ago. Looks like Trey Pipkins is going to be the right tackle. So you got a really good offensive line there that you built around Justin Herbert into year three. So looking at the Chargers, I mean, with the with them being the team that's competed against the Chiefs probably better than any team in this division, they go out and make some, some of the more big-time moves in, uh, in this division. So moving on to the team that's been the reigning champ in this division, the Kansas City Chiefs. As we start, as we start talking about this division, we mentioned that you know these teams w- did notice some of these moves that had gone that had gone on in this division, and the Chiefs definitely took notice of what was happening. Of course, Mahomes is still there, Travis Kelsey's still there, Chris Jones is still there, but Tyree Kill still isn't, and. When you look at Tyreek Hill being traded when he was, which, you know, I think was around March, on March 23rd, like, it completely changed the landscape there to where maybe these teams with them making the moves that they did at that point, like, hey, maybe we have a shot to win this division now because Tyreek was always a monster to try to cover. And so now he's gone to Miami and so now Kansas City, I'm very curious to see how this offense is going to go this year. How Andy Reid and Mahomes are going to go about the, with this offense. 
Uh, we did talk a little bit about Kelsey and Fancy and talked about could we see a downtrend for him. But uh, he's probably still that number one option there. Yeah, wide receiver. You're, listen, you're you're just not going to be able to replace Tyreek. I don't think you can. So maybe do you lose that big-time playability from him? Maybe. Uh, you do bring in a couple guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling who, if you look at the contracts they gave out, uh, they got them for pretty cheap. And so you bring those two guys in, maybe Juju can have can have a renaissance here in Kansas City with him maybe being that number two option behind Kelsey and where you're going you're gonna to have Mahomes throwing you the ball. I mean, if you look at Juju's quarterback situation in the last couple years, it hasn't been favorable to him. And he's been nicked up a little bit too. So now you're going to get him in, in Kansas City with a really good quarterback in Mahomes that can't get him the ball. And maybe we see Juju go back to his form that he that he took a few years ago, back in in his early part of his career. Uh, they drafted Sky Moore as a as a guy that can maybe be a speed threat at wide receiver. So they're those are the kind of moves they they made at wide receiver to kind of help out with uh with trading Tyreek course some of the other moves that they made uh bringing back orlando brown that's big bringing back on the franchise tag austin riders back frank clark has a restructured restructured contract you bring in justin reed from the texans to help out that secondary after losing tyron matthew use a couple guys in that backfield like matthew traverius ward he had austin Blythe and jaron reed and Melvin Ingram move on on the offensive and defensive line. So just a lot of moves happening in Kansas City to replace a couple big-time impactful players on both sides of the ball. At running back, can you hope, can you hope Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can be that lead back that you need in this offense? Or is it going to be a running back by committee type of thing? Maybe, but Kansas City's offense, if there's one thing to guarantee here with this Kansas City team is that offense is going to look a whole lot different, I think, than what we've seen in years past. And I'm kind of excited to see how it's going to look with uh, with no Tyreek and see how Mahomes plays without number 10 out there at wide receiver for him and see if any of those other guys can contribute, see if Juju can get back to his old form. See if MVS, going from one good quarterback to another, can really take a step up. Can Sky Moore produce in this rookie year? I'm just uh, really curious to see how that offense is going to go over in 2022. And, of course, playing against teams that have made some significant def- additions on offense, but also on defense and trying to get some big-time players there. So I'm really curious to see how that Chiefs offense is going to go against the rest of the league, but also just in general, these teams in this division. Because as we said at the top, those teams made the moves to try to topple the Chiefs and get back to the top of the AFC West. So, again, to sum this division up, it was an absolute arms race this offseason. 
and you, you look at the switch and you look at the switch from last year. It was the NFC West. Now it's the AFC West. That's the toughest division in all of football, and that's where we're going to close off our divisional previews, finishing off with the toughest and most intriguing division. I think I've all of them is the division that had the big times arms race in the offseason. So, guys, that is going to do it for our NFL previews. We are done. We wrapped up with all eight divisions and uh, previewed them here in the last couple months. Uh, when you really think about it, you really don't think about it in that type of span. But a couple months in previewing these divisions in the NFL, which all leads into next week where we dive into our season predictions, who we think are going to win these divisions that we've talked about here, what awards are some of these players going to win, who's going to win them. Could we see Mahomes, speaking of him, have an MVP type of year? Or could it be somebody like Herbert who takes that third-year jump? Maybe, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about those guys who are up for those awards. And we'll also talk about Who's going to go to the Super Bowl and who's going to go win it? So be sure to look for that next week as uh, we get to our predictions and as we get the game started with first one next Thursday night, Bills at Rams. What a way to start off the season on Thursday night football. So be on the lookout for that. And as we wrap up NFL, let's move on to some college football Let's talk about some of these games. And uh, boy, we already had some uh, interesting fun here with with the three games that we picked last week. Nebraska, Northwestern, Wyoming, Illinois, and Vandy, and Hawaii. Illinois, of course, beat Wyoming. But the two games, other games that we picked were probably the more fascinating ones. Uh, Nebraska starts off the season pretty much how with a game that pretty much told the story of their season last year. Losing in one-score games. It happened again in Northwestern. Losing off an interception. And with quite, with Scott Frost's seat already being scorching hot in week zero. <laughs> and uh, it turns out my Scott Frost stock did not carry over into Ireland. It's probably a bad thought right there. And now here you have him being questioned. Is, is he going to step down? And here you have him questioning his offensive staff as well. So uh, week zero is off to a fabulous start in in Nebraska. Uh, Vanderbilt and Hawaii. Did not see this coming at all. But Vanderbilt scored 63 points. They actually scored over 60 points. It's probably going to be the only time they'll have that this season. Beating Hawaii 63-10. Yeah. Vanderbilt scoring 60 points. I would never bet it at all. Even with Hawaii not being the better team at all in this game, I would not have bet that at all. So Vanderbilt gets one of the only wins it's going to have all season long. As a, They're going to need it. As a, they, they got a rough schedule. So those are some of the games we picked in a week zero. Let's go over and talk about some of the games that we have in week number one. Starting with some games that are happening tomorrow night on September the 1st. First off, 
got the backyard brawl. West Virginia at Pittsburgh is ranked 17th in the country. And as we talked about bringing in some new guys, Keaton Slovis, the USC transfers at quarterback, they really like what they've seen out of him leading up to the opener here. And right now, Pitt is the favorite in this game at home at a Creaser Stadium. I'm, I'm like Peter at this point. Like, no, it, it's Heinz Field. <laughs> the backyard brawl is back. And Pitt coming off an excellent season, being the ACC champs. I got to feel like they're going to start off on the right note here against West Virginia. So give me Pitt, who's only a favorite by about a touchdown, to uh, go and win this home game and uh, start off the season and win a no. So give me the Pitt Panthers to win the backyard brawl in game number one. Now another game that's happening involves a team that that Pitt's going to be playing in week number two. And you guess it, it's my it's my team, my Tennessee Vols. And I'm both excited and nervous about this season starting up here tomorrow night. But I'm not nervous about this game. I, I, I'm not nervous in the slightest. I don't think this is another Georgia State thing. Now, if it is, you guys are going to expect another podcast where I'm going to rant. And you know what? I got to give you all what you want <laughs> if that happens. But uh, Tennessee favored comfortably uh, 35 and a half points. I think it's risen a little bit. I think it was 33 at one point. So I expect a lot of high scoring outputs from Tennessee this year, starting with game number one against Ball State. So give me UT here to get the win. Now we got a couple fun games to talk about. A couple games that are the reason why I'm not going to check out the new No Way Home version this Saturday and spend only $3 in getting into the theater. Oregon at Georgia. Oregon, who's ranked 11th. Georgia, who's ranked 3rd. Of course, this is an intriguing matchup because Georgia... Coming off the national championship season last year. Losing a lot of players on defense. Who, whose former defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning, is now the coach at Oregon. So, going up against an old defensive coordinator there in Oregon. And Oregon, whose big season last year was kicked off by their upset win against Ohio State. And this is a de facto home game for Georgia taking place at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. I still think the Dogs are going to win this. But boy, should should this be a fun game. Uh, This should be a fun game. And really curious to see how Georgia's defense is going to open up this game uh, against Oregon. Not to say that Oregon's going to have a high-powered offense. I'm just curious to see who steps up for those players that left for the NFL and, and see which players start to make they, uh, their name known. So give me the dogs here, but I think this is going to be a fun, exciting game. Next up, another SEC team. 
against a team that was the best Power 5 team in the country last year, a team that made the playoff, number 23 Cincinnati and number 19 Arkansas. This should be a fun one. I'm curious to see how Cincinnati offsets their losses from their team a year ago, Who, how that new quarterback does in replacing Desmond Ritter, and seeing how some of those guys on defense replace Sanders, Beavers, and Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. That's going to be a thing to watch with this game. And with Arkansas, I think you got to feel pretty excited about what you got. You got a lot of players coming back. You got KJ Jefferson at quarterback. And I think KJ is going to make all the difference in this game. And I think this is going to be a very hard fought game with these two schools. But I think I'm going to take Arkansas. Then I'm going to go with Pig Suey to win this game to start off their season on the right note and I get a really impressive game to start off the season so give me the hogs next up Utah at Florida this should be a fun one as well the Billy Napier era starts off here with number seven Utah coming to town and Florida's schedule does not get any easier from here I mean if you look at it which we are is let me see if I can find their schedule. Their September is really rough here. And their September includes, as we mentioned, Utah. The next week they go and play Kentucky. That's at home. Got South Florida, so that helps. Then they go to Tennessee to close out September. So you got three tough to September games to start off the Napier era with. And I'm curious to see how Anthony Richardson takes that next step. See if he can take that against Utah here to start off the season. But I think I'm going to go with the Utes. I'm going to go with Utah here to go to Gainesville. Get an SEC SEC win on their resume. Now, I don't have it on here. But I think it's a little bit of fun here. SEMO at Iowa State. That, that should be good for SEMO. Get some money in there. I think Iowa State is going to win that one pretty easily. But I'm curious to see how Iowa State replaces their big-time players. And Purdy and Brees Hall and a couple of those guys on, on the defensive side. And see how they handle that. Uh, Memphis at Mississippi State. This was a intriguing one uh, here pretty recently between the two programs. Uh, Memphis, not their usual standard last year as they have been in years past. Mississippi State, of course, they got Will Rogers at quarterback there. And this is a home game for the Bulldogs. So I think if you look at State, you got to feel pretty good about where they're at. They got some guys on that defense. And usually in year three of of the Mike Leach era, it goes really good for the offense. So give me state here to win here and get a win against Memphis. Utah State at Alabama. No in-depth analysis in this one. I, I think this is a game I just had to put on here to make it to 10. But uh, Alabama starts off here with a win. Notre Dame at Ohio State. Our first top five matchup of the season. And it's a fun one. Of course, Marcus Freeman did play at Ohio State once upon a time, a long time ago. And this is his first game. Going against his alma mater at Columbus. 
with a lot of changes coming Notre Dame's way, who's going to be quarterback? Got a couple guys, including Kyle Hamilton, to replace on that defense. And you're going against Ohio State, who might have the best offense in the country this year. But I do expect Notre Dame to put up a good fight. But I think Ohio State's offense is just going to be too much to handle. And the key thing with Ohio State to watch here to start off with is that defense. Can that defense really start to look improved compared to last season? So give me the Buckeyes here to start off with a really good win against Notre Dame. But if Notre Dame does win, this is a really impressive win for Marcus Freeman in his first game as a head coach. Florida State at LSU. Uh, First game of the Brian Kelly era for the Tigers. Playing against Florida State. Really intriguing non-conference game. This is going to be a Sunday night game on ABC at Baton Rouge. Uh, You know the fans are going to get crazy for this one. Florida State already played a game in Week 0, winning that one. Uh, this the point spread is actually pretty close. It's around three, around three and a half, around that area. And uh, I'm curious to see the Tigers' quarterback battle. Who's going to win that one? Brian Kelly has not revealed at all. He's going to keep that classified until game time. And so we'll have to see who's taking snaps for the Tigers on a Sunday night. Uh, if Mike Norvell wins this one, this would be a huge step up for him. This would kind of help relieve him a little bit because he's a guy that, if, if he doesn't watch out, he could be on that hot seat pretty quick. But uh, give me the Tigers here to uh, win this one and uh, get a, a non-conference win against a really good uh, ACC team. So give me the Tigers. And speaking of the ACC... This is going to be the two. These are going to be the two teams that are going to close us out this week. Number four, Clemson at Georgia Tech, and this one is going to be on Monday night. So we got a couple Labor Day weekend games for you here for college football. This one's going to be at Georgia Tech on ESPN, and the key with Clemson is how is DJ Uwe Angulale going to look this year to start off this year. That's going to be the thing with watch. I think you know what Clemson's going to bring on defense, but curious to see how they perform without Brent Venables as their DC there. But I think you got to feel pretty comfortable here taking the Tigers. So Clemson, I think, goes on the road, gets an ACC victory to start off their season. So that's where we're going to wrap it up with college football week one. Very excited about this week as they get started off for us a really impressive streak of college football talk that we get to sit around and discuss. So this gets us started off here with week number one with some of these impressive games here on the slate. And we got the NFL coming up pretty shortly again next week where we're going to be talking about some of those games. So really excited about this and uh, really excited about all the stuff that's going to kick off for all of us in the next several weeks. So with all that being said, everybody, thank you all for tuning in this week to this edition of the Muse from the 573 podcast. Be sure to go check out again our feed of our fantasy football podcast that me and Matt did. Be sure to go check that one out. If you haven't drafted yet, maybe we can help you out a little bit there on the entertainment channel. 
be sure to go check us out. We just did a new pod on that one. Talked predictions for D23 with Lucasfilm and Marvel. So if you're curious to see what predictions we have for that event, be sure to go check that one out. But that is all I have for you all today. So with that being said, have a good rest of your day, everybody. Have a good rest of your week. Have fun with college football kicking off this Thursday and Saturday. And with that being said, talk to you all next time.